Hey there, welcome to Sales Unbound, brought to you by Size Group. I'm your host, Anna Nadena, and this is the show where we chat with inspiring founders and experts to get the inside scoop on how they made their business a success. And today, um, well, Thibaut couldn't make it last minute, but Tom is here, amazing, uh, the founder of both Tableo and uh, Twit Hunter. The tools helping you build a personal brand on both LinkedIn and Twitter, respectfully. Both businesses were acquired by Lemlist and it was announced just a couple of weeks ago. So fresh out of the oven and uh, we're here to talk about everything that happened before the acquisition. Welcome, Tom. Hey, Anna. Thanks for having me. That's amazing. Thank you for making the time. Well, uh, obviously, I mean, uh, your success has been stellar. Uh, so can you talk about your background a little bit? Is it your first rodeo? Uh, it's it's definitely neither mine nor my co-founder's first rodeo. Um, so we actually built a, a first startup uh, about seven or eight years ago. Um, something that like we, we learned a lot, but we did fail. Uh, and afterwards, Thibaut, my co-founder, he, he continued on another project, uh, another, another startup uh, of his own. And I went back to having a job, basically, in uh, digital marketing, product roles, that kind of stuff. Uh, and what happened was Thibaut called me. I think it was, I don't know, two, uh, yeah, not two years ago, like a year and a half ago or so. Uh, and he was like, what are you doing? And like, oh, well, I'm an employee. Uh, and like, okay, do you want to do something? And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's not our first try. Okay. Why were you craving coming back to, to the startup world after the failure? Um, to be honest, I, I'm not sure. I think um, one is like you have, I'm just attracted to it. You know, like you, you, you want to you have your own adventure. You want to make your own choices, have your, be owner of your successes and failures. Uh, that, that was key to me. And even as an employee, for me, it was really important to work closely with C the CEO or the exec team, at least. Uh, I, I could never work in a company where there's like a lot of middle management, etc. This this really isn't my type of company. So I think it's about yeah being owner of whatever you do uh, and uh, and you know being wrong, but uh, by yourself or at least because you were really wrong, not not because someone told you to do something you disagreed with. Um, so yeah, I think it comes from that. Um, there's probably a little bit of ego too, uh, if, if I'm being honest, like I think all founders have some kind of ego. Uh, they, they, they want to be successful. They want to be, um, a bit praised for what they did, you know? Uh, and I think that because I failed the first time, I really wanted to try again. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's because of you. Right. That makes sense. But you also failed with the same co-founder so that's also very interesting how did you guys be, uh, decided to come together we did uh, fail together uh, the first time um but i don't think it was like anyone's personal fault you know like we still did work really well together uh and every single time we had uh, a problem that needed solving or a decision that needed to be made we, we were always very 
smart about it. We always listen to each other. It's always been a pleasure to work together. So despite the first failure, uh, which I think was due to many other things than, uh, than our personal personalities, um, I think we do work very well together. So I had zero hesitation when he called me. That's amazing. All right. So uh, let's get to the idea, right? Why did you choose to work with personal brand? Why did you choose to work with Twitter? Because sometimes uh, when I talk to founders, they say, okay, so we wanted to uh, to work on this idea, but it didn't seem uh, big enough. It's like, you know, the uh, white people problem, um, right? So why, why Twitter? Why, why building a personal brand? Um, so we didn't really choose that in a way because um, our approach was, I think, very different from what most founders do. Um, what we did was we wanted to build a business uh, and that was about it. That's approximately all we knew about what we wanted to do is build a business. Uh, and so we thought, well, last time we sort of failed because one of the factors was that we were 25 year olds trying to build a startup, uh, a mobile app for parents and kids. Uh, neither of us had kids. Uh, we hadn't been children for quite a while. Uh, and so there was, there was no fit, you know, like kind of a founder market fit in a way. Uh, there was zero fit. So we thought, well, we want to build something for people like us. Uh, what are the problems that people like us have? Uh, and the number one issue is how do you get clients? You know, you're, you're a small, you're a small team uh, of one or two people uh, and you've got zero budget. How do you go and get clients? So what we did is we launched a lot of different products uh, over the course of a month. I think we launched like between five and 10 products, which can sound a little bit insane, but every time we had an idea, we tried to make it as small as possible, build it in a matter of days and market it for a few days. Um, it turned out that one of the, like my co-founder, he was playing around uh, with uh, the Twitter API. Uh, we were playing around with uh, AI technologies that were emerging at the time. And at some point we just built that, you know, uh, and we shared it uh, and it got a lot more traction than uh, anything else we built previously. So we dived into it. And it's kind of only later on that we started to talk about personal branding, growing an audience, etc. This really wasn't the, the, the first intention. The first intention was how do we get uh, founders to get clients for their products, solo founders specifically. Right. It's interesting that you said uh, we marketed it for, for a few days. I, I guess every marketer uh, flinched a little bit because few days <laughs> tell you no, nothing. Uh, yeah, they, they tell you nothing, but uh, our focus was speed. And we, from the get-go, we defined uh, validating an idea with revenue. Uh, we didn't want free users. We didn't want feedback. Uh, well, I mean, we do want feedback, but the, the primary metric is, are we making revenue? Uh, and so we gave ourselves every time, like a few days to push it on Tebow's Twitter, which had, who had like three or 4,000 followers, which is not that big, but, uh, better than nothing. Uh, we launched like stuff on product hunt, et cetera, just to see how 
our market, uh, solo founders, indie hackers, uh, solopreneurs, call them whatever you want, uh, could, uh, was going to react to this because we knew how to reach a few of them. So even in, in a matter of days, you know, well, it's going to be tough to market it or we have to do a lot of new things for it to be a success or it immediately catches on uh, and okay, let's go, let's focus on this. Right. Did you have some pricing strategy from day one? <laughs> I wouldn't call it a strategy. Uh, $10 a month for whatever reason. <laughs> um, I don't know. We just thought, okay, uh, what's like the product at first was kind of just a Google for tweets uh, in a way, uh, like a, a search bar, you search for a keyword and it brought up relevant tweets. Uh, so we didn't think that was worth maybe a hundred dollars a month. You know? So we just thought, okay, let's, let's try 10 bucks. And we, we got a few people that were, that started paying. All right. I remember, uh, I've actually listened to one of your podcasts where you said this could be one thing that I would change in retrospect, I would change our pricing. Why, why would you think that? Um, so there's I mean, I, I think most, pe most people, they are not confident enough when they launch their product and they, so this, this is why they have to, the temptation to make it either free, uh, or at a very low cost. Um, I'm not sure, like, maybe I would not change what we did, but what we did, which was great is, is we, as soon as we saw that there was traction, we raised the prices to test how far we could go with a limited set of features. Uh, and so we went from 10 to 14, from 14 to, I think it was 19 or 29 maybe even. And honestly, our conversion rate, it, it lowered a little bit, but but our overall revenue was, was far bigger, of course. Uh, and so we kept on doing that. Uh, so, but I do think that most people, they, they lack confidence when they launch, which is normal, you know, like you don't know how people are, are gonna react. Uh, and uh, but it, for me, at the very least, you should charge for your product, especially if it's a SaaS. Uh, making it free, it, it doesn't really attract the, 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 the crowd that you want to attract. You know, like it's not because you have a thousand free users uh, that you're actually, uh, you know, that you have product market fit. Right. Did you did you justify uh, to your users the raise of, of prices? Oh, so we always grandfathered people in. So if you joined at $9 a month, uh, you would keep that uh, price uh, over time. So that, that's something I think is fair. Like for me, it's, it's a lot about um, being like thankful to your early users. Like if they join you when your product is a search bar and they pay for it, uh, you might as well like, like, be nice to them and grandfather them in and make sure that they're not going to get hit by a huge price increase uh, just a couple weeks or a couple months later, you know. So we it was we didn't have to convince anyone of staying on because we, we would keep the old pricing for, for these people. That's cool. All right. So let's talk about your marketing strategies, because I think that's what everyone wants to know about, right? You um, you went from zero dollars to what 1000 sorry 100,000 uh dollars per month in a matter of less than two years right uh about a year about a year <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh 
That's amazing. Um, so maybe, maybe even less, like actually. <laughs> tell us everything. Um, so there's been a few phases uh, in our marketing uh, strategy and tactics. Um, from zero to 1,000 a month, uh, what we did is uh, a little bit of product hunt, but not with our actual product. Um, we went on product hunt with uh, free resources that we would uh, put, launch on product hunt that would be relevant to our main product. But at the very beginning, we didn't want to go on product hunt because people have this vision of product hunt that it's for a lot for indie hackers, etc. The truth is a lot of people who succeed in a product hunt launch, they do it after months of testing with real users, etc. So I don't think uh, we didn't think it was a great idea to start out. And we thought, well, let's get practice and let's make it relevant to our product. So that's one thing that we did. And a few other things we did, we made a couple semi-viral uh, Reddit posts uh, in uh, subreddits that are relevant to indie hackers, uh, etc. That, that kind of a community. And uh, we shared a lot on Twitter. Uh, so Thibaut, as I said, he had three, four, five thousand followers, and he would grab a, a sale every now and then. Uh, and that the zero to one k MRR phase lasted about a month. Um, that's the time it took. We kept doing that for another couple of months, and we reached—I can't remember exactly—but something like four or five k a month. Um, and then we partnered uh, with an influencer. Uh, who who we gave a real true stake in the product. So uh, his name is J.K. Molina. Uh, and so what happened was Thibaut just sent him a DM. But like you would send a DM to any relevant right. influencer in your industry. And Why him? Just to, oh, we sent DMs to like tens of people. So he was okay. one of them. Uh, and he, I think... Six hours later, he replied, like, okay, uh, this is great. Like, we so just for context, we sent something like, uh, hey, here's our product. Tell us what you think. Uh, and he tested it out for a couple hours, after which he replied, uh, this is great. I want, I want to be in, you know, like, I, I want to be a, a part of it. And so, like, Thibaut and I were not prepared for that. Uh, but we took uh, a deep look at his content, at his community. Uh, and he was really one of the rare people who talked about how to write on Twitter, how to like copywriting on Twitter and growing an audience. And we thought, well, it's like, th there's no one that's more relevant than him for, for us uh, at, at the stage we're at. Uh, and so we partnered up, uh, we gave him stake. Uh, when I say stake, I mean that, the more we would grow, the bigger the share of the product he would own. Uh, and he, he performed a launch towards his audience quite uh, masterfully, I have to say. Uh, and we went from 5K to 25K or maybe 20K um, in a matter of weeks, you know, like a month. That's amazing. Um, so from that point, we, we were at a stage where um, we went from, we've got a product that's made kind of making money, but nothing fancy to, we have a company that has a marketing budget, uh, that has 
the ability to hire a couple of freelancers to help out with the tech, with the product, etc. Uh, so that was like this really changed the uh, the, the 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 mindset we had because our original goal was to like reach 10k MRR and sell and start again. That was the goal. <laughs> uh, and now there we were like four months after launch at 25k MRR or something. So that was huge. Um, right. So yeah, and. Then uh, the next stage was um, launching side products. We did a lot of that. Uh, so very, and we still do very often. We, we wake up in the morning, we have an idea for a free product that's relevant to our business. Uh, we build it in a matter of a couple of days to a couple of weeks and we push it to our communities. Uh, we push it to product hunt. Uh, we push it in terms of content around it. So it ranks in, in SEO. Uh, and that also really helped uh, a lot with the growth. Um, doing that once or twice doesn't really drive results, but doing that like every couple of weeks for, for a few months really paid off for us. Okay. So short experiments Yeah. and feedback. All right. Oh, so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll um, try to keep the, my next answers a bit shorter <laughs> so it fits inside. Like <laughs> that's okay. Uh, but first of all, um, you said you wanted to grow it to to a certain revenue and then sell. So this kind of mindset did it change anything for you from the start? Like, did you I don't know maybe care less, or you started preparing your documents from day one so that you know when the right buyer comes, you just hand them. The box with all the documents and uh, wave goodbye um so we did not do that uh we had not much prepared uh when we started looking around for for a buyer um but we did both go to like we do we, we both have business school degrees um so for us it's not something that's uh, very stressful to have to prepare financial documents etc it's it's not something uh, I think a lot of technical founders, they dismiss that part, uh, but they are kind of wrong to dismiss it because it's not their strong suit. So they should prepare more in advance for, for that kind of stuff. Uh, in our case, um, Thibaut, he's a tech founder, but he also has a business background. So do I. So it wasn't something that scared us that much uh, to have to prepare those kinds of, of, of uh, documents and information, etc. Uh, so really what it did change, however, is how we approached uh, launching a business. So we were the first business we did, we were about more about like raising capital, becoming a, a startup worth hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, et cetera. And so your, your, your approach to the market is a little bit slower. Uh, you are more, um, you think more about every step and you try to not make mistakes. Uh, in this case, it was about reaching this milestone as quickly as we could and uh, move on to the next thing. Uh, and so because of that, we were extremely bold. Uh, we didn't think too much, actually. Like we, we, we barely had any meetings, you know, or video calls or whatever to, to prepare for stuff. Uh, we ju we were just like, is this a good idea? Sure. Okay, let's do it. Uh, and this the, this mindset really changed our, our our approach compared to our previous experiences. 
Right, and all this time, you guys uh, met how many times? Two, three? Um, that was all remote, right? Yeah, so I, so it was middle of COVID. Uh, also, at some point, Thibaut was in Thailand. So between basically zero to 80K or 100K a month, we had not seen each other uh, yet. Uh, wow. I mean, we knew each other because we worked previously. But we were just having a quick call every now and then, and that's it. What about the rest of the team? Are they also fully remote? And how big is it? Uh, everyone is fully remote. Uh, right now, we have approximately eight people who work with us. Uh, so half of them, let's say, are, are in the tech team, and the other half are, are working either in content marketing or um, customer support. And how long was it just the two of you? Uh, I would say uh, two to three months. Then uh, our influencer partner came on. Uh, and then after six months, approximately, we had our first uh, freelancer hire uh, in the tech team. Okay, that's very interesting. All right, so how you said you used your, your previous experience when you were kind of looking for, for investors and uh, to become unicorn and stuff, but in this case, you were bolder, uh, you were faster, but then you reached the revenue and uh, a big one uh, very fast. So why not at this point go to VC or maybe do um, equity crowdfunding if you're if you want to become a bit more independent um, well I think we we really wanted to remain uh, owners of our decisions and if we were to let go of some or all of our equity we would want to do it with the right people uh, and I think we found the right people in, in Lemlist uh, because they have a similar approach, which is um, bootstrap startup, uh, no no exterior funding, etc. Not that it's a bad thing to raise the funds. I, I don't think it's a bad thing. But there are businesses that require raising money, and there are businesses that do not. Uh, and in our case, we are uh, targeting. We've we've been targeting up until now, almost exclusively solopreneurs, uh, content creators, influencers, independent consultants, etc. So people, essentially, and not businesses. Um, we don't need to hire a 20-person sales team uh, to scale our, our business. Uh, and we there, there's really no good reason to raise money to go faster on anything. Uh, we are making the appropriate amount of revenue to scale our team. Uh, and I don't think we need to go extremely fast uh, on a new uh, customer uh, demographic. You know? um, so whereas if you're launching a very enterprise B2B SaaS, you may need a sales team. If you're launching, I, I don't know, a restaurant, you know, you're going to need a loan from, from the bank or something. Uh, in our case, it's it's a SaaS. It's uh, the, the costs are not extremely high to build one, and we don't need the, the sales team to go with it. So there was no real need for it. Okay, so just a couple more questions before we move into the whole acquisition deal. What do you think is the most important metric for a SaaS business? 
uh, MRR. <laughs> uh, no, I, I really think so. It depends because uh, there's two types of businesses. As I said, there's uh, bootstrapped and VC funded. Uh, I would say for bootstrapped, it's definitely MRR. For VC funded, you could have a debate about churn and retention being just as important as uh, as the revenue. Uh, it's a bit different, I think, between bootstrap and VC funded because VCs are absolutely obsessed with churn uh, and retention, whereas bootstrap companies are obsessed about their revenue, which are linked, but are also not 100% co correlated. Uh, and so as a bootstrap business, I would say for sure revenue. Okay. And uh, one more. What's your biggest win and the biggest failure up until acquisition as a founder or as a business? Um, moment a good of question. Yeah. <laughs> give, give me 30 seconds. <laughs> um, no, I, I think that the, the biggest win was to see almost 90% of our bold risks uh, pay off. So there, there's not one specific risk uh, that I would mention, but like, for example, partnering up with an influencer it's, and giving him a stake in the, in the product uh, is a pretty major risk. Um, you know, you let go of control about how you communicate about your business and you give a stake to someone that was previously yours. Uh, so that was a big risk. Uh, we've taken risks in terms of products too that paid off. Uh, so adding AI, adding uh, scheduling, because at the beginning there was even, you can even schedule a tweet with our product. Um, so those were risks that made our product become something more than it was and penetrate new markets. Uh, and it's always a bit stressful when you, when you make those kinds of changes to your product. Um, so the major win, yeah, it's the risks we took. Uh, they were they were really positive for us overall. Um, the biggest uh, failure, uh, it's not me being pretentious, but there hasn't been that many. <laughs> I think one of the things we did, which maybe we should not have, is uh, actively try to find a business that would uh, acquire us. Uh, that ha like we started looking for for an acquirer in January or f February, maybe more of a uh, 2022. Um, and it, it did take our eye off the product, off our users, off our growth uh, for for quite a few weeks. You know, like, as you said, like, at, at that point, you have to make the documents, you know, your PNL, etc. cetera. Right. Uh, you have to have uh, Zoom calls with a bunch of potential acquirers, etc. And if I had to do it again, uh, I would probably not actively look for a buyer and wait for that buyer to come around or look into my personal network for, for relationships that could bring me to finding a buyer more easily. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one of the things where I think we wasted a bit of time. You know, you're, the more, the, the more you focus on growth, the more you do grow and the more, uh, evaluated your business becomes. Uh, so whenever you're like, just thinking about funding or exiting, et cetera, it's like, you take your eye off the ball and, uh, your business is worth less than it could. Right. But the question here then is 
why why exit at all? I mean, you're not looking for investment, right? You're you you don't need to grow very rapidly. Uh, everything's great. <laughs> why exit? Uh, everything is great. Uh, that you're you're right about that. Uh, then again, it's also interesting as founders to take some risk off the table. You know, like it's it's also a personal situation. You know, like you you want to be uh, comfortable uh, in uh, in uh, your life as a successful founder. And when you are owning a hundred percent of the equity uh, and uh, things are doing really well. You know that at some point, whether it's in the next five, ten, or twenty years, or six months, because you know, like people like Elon Musk by Twitter, you know, uh, like you, you do want to mitigate some of that risk. So that's one thing. Um, and the other thing is, uh, we we thought that our the future for our products uh, would be more interesting if we joined another company because the the, the next step. Uh, in our business, uh, I think, is being integrated into a, a more global uh, suit of products. Uh, and this is why we started reaching out to, to acquirers, too. We, we saw that there was huge potential in what we did, but that that potential could be 10x if we joined the, the, the right company. Okay, so yeah, let's get to to the acquisition. So, how did you start looking for an acquirer, and where did you find one? Um, so, we started uh, as many unconnected founders with uh, limited network in the finance industry. Uh, we started. We we contracted a broker. Uh, he was a very good broker. Uh, he got us meetings with a bunch of pretty big companies, uh, the, the big names in our industry and some of the big names in the CRM marketing uh, industry. Uh, and every single time the meeting went well, but also um, we didn't necessarily share a common vision with the people in the meeting. Uh, I'll just take an example, not naming any specific companies, but one of the big players in social media scheduling uh, they, the, the talks went a little further and they were more about making a tweet hunter and a Taplio, but for Instagram and for TikTok, uh, and that's not really what we had in mind. Uh, so that's one thing. Uh, and the other thing, and on every single deal where we either got close to it, uh, or not even that the prerequisite was you have to stay on for a couple of years afterwards. Uh, after the sale, which is logical, but however, you need to share a common vision when you do that. You know, like you, you can't be uh, in disagreement with where you want to go. So this lasted for a few weeks, a few months, uh, and after a while, uh, I know Thibaut, had, my co-founder, had a lunch with uh, Guillaume uh, from Lemlist, uh, and because they knew each other from middle school. Uh, they were in the same class when they were like 12. Uh, and so they just had lunch because Thibaut like, saw that his middle school buddy had become a successful startup founder. And so he just like wanted to have lunch and catch up and maybe get some advice. Uh, and they joke, they actually joked around, like he, he talked about us wanting maybe to sell, etc. Uh, and they really like, they joked around about them, Lempire, Lemlist, 
uh, buying us. Uh, and nothing happened for, I don't know, a couple, a few days or a few weeks. And we thought, well, it's actually like, it's, it's not that funny. <laughs> like it could actually be uh, a good idea, you know? So we, we sent, we sent him a, a message and yeah, talks started. Um, the entire thing, the entire financial deal, I would say like the, coming to an agreement happened over like over a period of, I think maybe two or three weeks. Uh, and it was just us three talking on WhatsApp, basically. Uh, no emails, no lawyers, no uh, CTOs taking a look under the hood, etc. At first, it was just the three of us talking. And overall, the deal took maybe three months to really close and get a signature uh, because you still have to do that lawyer, uh, accounting, financial, uh, and technical uh, due diligence, basically. But things went really smoothly with uh with limbless okay that's amazing uh so what do you call it uh your dream acquisition uh yeah for sure uh no but yeah. honestly like both financially uh it's very good for us obviously um we are still very incentivized to keep the growth going through our earnout structure uh which is also something that we really like, you know, like we, we, we want to be driven by that. Like it, it wouldn't be fun to go to work <laughs> every day if, uh, if you didn't have a, a big goal in mind, you know, uh, and strategically for us, it, it just makes sense. You know, like you, you can see, you can imagine the past that the paths that can be, uh, undertaken, uh, between a solution that does personal branding and a solution that does outreach. There's a lot of common bridge, like uh, common things uh, between these topics and bridges to be made. So yeah, I I really think it's uh, it's it's uh, a great uh, acquire. Uh, not to mention the culture fit as well, because Lemlist is a French company uh, mm -hmm. and a bootstrap company. So there's there's okay. so many things that fit well together uh, that there was really no doubt in our minds that if we could find the right uh exit structure that it was a good idea so what i guess everyone's interested in specific terms obviously and and the exit structure if you could elaborate a little sure um so taplio and twee hunter got sold for approx uh, not approximately exactly uh two million dollars uh, up front uh, and then there is an earnout structure which could make the deal be worth uh, above eight figures, basically. Uh, so how it's packaged, uh, there's uh, like almost like 95% of the earnout structure uh, is based on us reaching revenue milestones uh, for uh, Tweet Hunter and Tapio. Uh, so as every time we, we hit uh, a revenue milestone, which is at logical steps of the journey like you know 2 million ARR 3 million 4 million etc uh we we unlock uh, an additional amount uh into the the earnout that will be paid out acquisition gamified very interesting <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah for sure for sure and of course we get a, a salary etc that's uh, that that's kind of a given 
Right. Do you think it's going to be a big change for you personally as a founder? So you're now joining another company and you're growing within the company. So how do you prepare for that kind of scaling? Um, it's it's a great question. I, I do think it's going to change things. Um, but up until now, uh, Guillaume has given us, given us a lot of latitude in terms of how to operate. Uh, so things have been uh quite similar to what they were before except that obviously uh we reach out to him whenever there's any major decision to be made so for example we we bought uh we acquired another twitter product uh in november uh obviously we would ask Guillaume if he thinks it's it's a good idea um and for the the years to come uh, yes, we will be uh, integrated more as a team, as part uh, of, uh, of Lempire, as a product, as part of the Lemlist uh, ecosystem. Uh, and uh, that's for sure. Uh, but it's also, it's the logical next step, you know. And me as, me as a founder, I don't want to be leading a company with 200, 300, 500 employees. This is not my personal ambition. Uh, and so I think it's great because this gives me the opportunity to scale a business from a very small team to something a little bit more uh, structured, of course. So I think I'm going to learn a lot from that. Uh, but also, I'm not going to be the person that takes this, I don't know, maybe 20 person team to 500 people. You know? So I know that in the end, uh, whenever, uh, whenever that happens, uh, our, our, like my product is going to be in great hands, you know, uh, and what I'm sure of and what I'm sure of is that I'll be uh, within uh, Lempire and Lemlist for a while. Uh, and uh, even when I'm no longer a part of it, I know that there's they're just the perfect people to uh, to handle it. That's amazing. All right. So what do you think is the next uh, step for both Topfio and uh, Tweet Hunter? Um, I think that the the next step uh, is so I, I really want to dive more into uh, relationship building uh, within our products. Um, the more I talk with people, the more I realize that every single major thing that happened to our business was due to a relationship that did not exist uh, or and that we 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 started or that was started with us. Um, and that was nurtured, basically. Uh, and so for me, personal branding, it's no longer just about uh, posting content, uh, posting tweets, posting posts, LinkedIn posts, etc. It's also about engaging with other people. It's about meeting new people. Uh, and so I think that the next big step is not like, how do we help people publish more content? It's how do we help them create relationships with others? That's amazing. All right. So what would be your um, your best advice to early stage founders in terms of building their personal brand? Oh, building their personal brand. Uh, number one, do it. <laughs> uh, don't, don't put it off for too long. Um, I think it's very similar to uh, it's kind of a early founder, early stage founder syndrome that you do not want to ship your product before it's perfect and before it's ready you know um most people don't 
they 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 don't feel confident enough they 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 are embarrassed by what they built before they even showed it to anyone uh, and i think it, the same it goes with personal branding basically the first tweet that i sent out it was super cringe the first linkedin post that i sent out of course it was cringe like it's the first time i i'm doing it uh, but the only way to start feeling confident enough and to start improving is to actually um, go for it and don't stop, you know. So that that's that's one thing. Uh, and it's, it's basically, it's just ship it. Well, that applies to product, but it also applies to marketing, your personal brand, and whatever you do in your, in your business. Um, so that's my main advice. And my second advice is, it's not just about you. So if you, I don't know, if you tweet every day for 90 days, uh, it's likely that nothing is going to happen. It's not how it works. Uh, how it works is by engaging with other people, getting yourself noticed by others, uh, and building relationships, basically. And it's the, it's the only way to go. LinkedIn is a little bit different uh, in that area because you often have some sort of a personal network that's already on LinkedIn uh, who can support you. But for Twitter, that's definitely the key. Like you, you need to engage with other people. That's amazing. I think that's a great advice. Not a lot of people understand that it's not just what you write, but it's also how you uh, communicate with the others. So just one more question. What is the SaaS related uh, headline that you'd love to see in 2023? Um, the SaaS related headline that I want to yeah. see in 2023. Um, as a unicorn. <laughs> uh i i don't think it's for 2023 maybe 2024. Okay. Um, you are shipping fast so <laughs> yeah we are but uh, you know everything in in due time um it's funny i never think about SA the SaaS industry uh as a whole but maybe something like um stripe fees are lowered by 50 <laughs> <laughs> percent that's a good one that's a pain point i can feel i can feel that no of course yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a real thing you know like and especially like so many SaaS rely on exterior tech uh, so the lower the cost of entry the the better for sure that's amazing okay Sure. Well, thank you so much, Tom. I mean, uh, it's been it's been great. I enjoyed our conversation immensely. I think lots of great insights for for everybody uh, listening. So thank you for coming. Thank you, Anna, for having me. All right. And I hope we can do it again sometime. Thanks. Of course. Take care and uh, good luck with Toplio. And Take care. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.